Hey, everybody, this is Jimmy. Welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Tingle Show. We have a very special show for you today because we're going to be talking about hunger right here in Massachusetts. Our guest, ladies and gentlemen, Stephanie Tyler Smith. She is the vice president of programs at Food for Free. Hello, Stephanie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jimmy. Thank you so much for of having course. me. It's a pleasure to be Thank here. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Stephanie, let's just get into it. Tell us, what exactly is Food yeah. for Free? So Food for Free is a redistribution and food redistribution and rescue nonprofit. Um, we work with over 20 different communities in eastern Massachusetts to provide healthy uh, food to people in need. And has the is there a lot of need in Massachusetts? People think of Massachusetts, I think, and they don't think, oh, well, they have a real hunger issue. Is there a real hunger issue here in Massachusetts? Yeah, there really is. There was a report done by the Greater Boston Food Bank earlier this year, and one in three adults in Massachusetts does not have enough to eat. And that's even higher with families or um, public college students. Um, and those are some of the uh, people that we're working to serve. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty striking. One in three adults in, in Massachusetts. Yeah. I mean, cost of living is really high in mm -hmm. this state and inflation right now is making groceries so expensive that um, people are just really stretched and we just haven't fully recovered from the pandemic either. Right. So. And now how long have you worked uh, with Food for Free? I started here two weeks actually before uh, the COVID pandemic hit our world. So I started on February 24th, 2020, um, and then hit the ground running, um, to say the least. Yes. So <laughs> when the pandemic hit, you were at one speed. Okay. So everything's going along, food for free. You're delivering food to people. You're getting people in need uh, help and assistance and nutrition. Then the pandemic hits. Do yep. you guys pause? Do you have to pivot? Do you accelerate? What happened? We had to have a total pivot uh, to reach people in need at that time because our work, the way that we serve 20 plus communities in eastern Massachusetts is through partnerships, whether that be schools or food pantries or community agencies. And when the pandemic hit, everything shut down. So then all of a sudden we realized we needed to do something to help people specifically in Cambridge, since we're based in the Cambridge and Somerville area. And so we, within days, created a pop-up emergency food distribution program to deliver groceries to food insecure people in Cambridge that we found out about through the schools or the senior center, other agencies, because they were all shut down. They had no access point. Um, so we launched that emergency distribution program and served 2,000 people, 2,000 households a week at peak during that program. Um, and we did that during the lockdown of the pandemic and haven't slowed down since. I would say that really set us on a new trajectory of growth in our organization. Well, so, so yeah. the need has increased since the pandemic? Places are open now. So that makes our work simpler, but the need hasn't changed. Like the inflation and um, pantry lines are just through the roof and the demands that we have from our partner agencies for more food to meet the needs of their um, constituents is, is really high. It's just less of the uh, chaos of those first few months of the pandemic and more of a sustained 
really depressing, drawn out, great need among our families and individuals. So that's kind of a trial by fire for you. You're there two weeks and all of a sudden there's a worldwide (laughs) pandemic and like you got to reorganize the whole organization. Yeah, it was wild. We and, and, and the, basically the job that I signed up for didn't exist two weeks into it. And it was a new job and a totally new thing. And all of our programs had to really rebuild or totally expand in order to keep up with the needs in our changing pandemic world. So it, it was wow. pretty wild. Very yeah. indicative of industries all over the world that either were able to ramp up and pivot and innovate to meet the the, the changing uh, terrain that we all found ourselves yes. in, or they they didn't they didn't last. And um, it's so yeah, true. It yeah. really speaks to the innovation of your organization and the uh, ability to to uh, just uh, keep your footing. Uh, tell me, tell me, it, how many folks yeah. work at Food for Free? Um, we have just over 30, 30 We have about thirty five full time employees. It's I'm hesitating because sometimes it's up to 40 seasonally. Um, but yeah, and, and we've over doubled in size and our operating budget and all that since before the pandemic. And we didn't even have a facility before the pandemic where we distributed food out of. And now I'm sitting right here in our 12,000 square foot facility that we're already growing out of. So, but, um, yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and I know that you have a lot of people who are really, dedicated in terms of volunteerism. How many volunteers do you have at the organization? We engage about almost 200 volunteers on a weekly basis that come through our doors to help, whether it be like individuals or corporate groups. Um, Last year, we had about 800 volunteers total, you know, unique volunteers who came through our doors. So um, definitely casting a wide net. And a lot of those are committed, regular volunteers, which we appreciate them so much. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without the people putting in that time and labor to just pack grocery items in a box and get it on our truck for or, car, or in their car for distribution. Right. Stephanie, yeah. please walk us through how do you get food? I mean, you're not a farm. You're not growing the food. How do you get food and where does it ultimately end up? Because I think that's a pretty interesting, yeah. pretty interesting journey. It it is, and it's there's so much about our food system that's fascinating. So I mean, food for free started with the heart of food rescue. So basically, picking up food at a food source, uh, like a grocery store or another place like that, that um, would otherwise go to waste, and rescuing it. And a lot of times, whether it be from a farmer's market or a grocery store, these the items that we are rescuing so that they're not uh, rejected and thrown in the landfill are perfectly good Mm -hmm. items. And um, so we started in 1981 with a group of volunteers committed to just rescuing food and getting it to different community service agencies or meal programs who could utilize that food to help people. So that's really our origin. And a lot of our food rescue a lot of our food source is that food rescue. Um, we have about, I believe it's uh, 1.5 million pounds of food each year is food rescue. And then the rest of that food is um, acquired through other partnerships that we have. The Greater Boston Food Bank is a huge partner mm-hmm. of ours. 
Um, so we get a lot of food through them and then redistribute it. Um, so that's kind of how we acquire it. We also do purchase some food um, from other vendors, but the bulk is rescue and acquired through the Greater Boston Food Bank as a key mm -hmm. partner. And then um, to access the people who need food, that's where we utilize this really wide array of partners who uh, we have over all said and done over 150 partners across our organization. They are food pantries, their schools, their community colleges, their low income housing sites um, that we work with them to figure out what they need in their community, whether it be a pop up market at a pop up food pantry market at uh, a school or a grocery box drop that a low-income housing resident coordinator can distribute to their residents um, or food rescue given to a food pantry that they put, you know, in their pantry and allow people to come through and get food. So the way that we serve a partner depends on who, who they are and what we can supply them with. Um, and yeah, it's good to, just to add to that, the community colleges, a lot of our support with them is either, um, sometimes food pickups from the Greater Boston Food Bank or our Heat and Eats program, which is really an awesome pinnacle of food rescue that we then assemble into small ready-to-eat meals um, and then distribute those to, to different partners. It's very impressive. So when you, when you talk, I'm particularly intrigued by the food rescue. So, for example, if Trader Joe's, for example, is going to you know, there's a shelf life on something May 10th. So they, yep. by law, cannot have it on the shelf after May 10th. Is that right? That's right. true. And then a lot of vendors even have their own codes where they can't have something on the shelf, even if it's two days within oh. the sell-by okay. sell date. So then there are things that are perfectly good right. for a few more days. Right. And so that's an example of something that, would say, okay, it's it's one day off of expiration, but it's good for another, you know, whatever, two, three weeks or something. And you you would get, yes. that's where you would get the food from places like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or supermarkets, uh, sometimes restaurants as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of the, the food rescue that we get from different grocery stores, that's kind of going directly to different pantries to stock okay. their fridges and shelves and gives people choice. But then we also do a large amount of food rescue from uh, dining halls or um, hospital okay. kitchens or places where there's buffet lines and we'll rescue food in right. bulk and utilize it for our heat and eats program to create grab and go meals. Right. Yeah. And the volunteers that you have are, are pretty impressive. My, Sam, my nephew in spirit of full disclosure uh, is working at food for free. <laughs> And he's wonderful. He's been there, I think, just about a year now. But he, yeah, year in yeah. January. And yep. he, uh, he's uh, in invited my wife and myself. I was not able to come because I was working, but my wife has volunteered on a couple of occasions. She gets a lot out of it because you're helping people. You're helping people who need exactly. food, and it's like such a basic commodity, the most basic. And it's just astounding that. So many people step up and help, but there, that there is the need that there is. And it's just incredible. Tell me, is winter more, is there more demand in winter than there is, say, in spring or summer? Yeah, people feel things more in winter. I think they're, 
is just, there's definitely more of a need. I think sometimes it, it can be in relation maybe to just anxiety that people feel about the cold winter months or not being able to afford to keep their uh, apartment warm or, or it, it kind of constrain the budget in these other ways. Maybe you have to get winter clothes for your kids and that's really yeah. tight. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't have enough money for groceries this month. So um, we do see more of a need. I, we have a client direct program uh, called our Healthy Eats Home Delivery Program that serves about 375 low-income households in Cambridge who can't access a food pantry. They can't get out. So for th those people, I mean, we have volunteer drivers who go on a delivery route to drop off boxes to 10 different um, households of people on this program. And they really feel it in the winter. We feel the need in that program in the winter because people are, if you have a bad hip, you can't go to a food pantry a mile down the street in the winter when it's icy mm -hmm. and snowy. And so there's a whole, for food insecure people, there's a whole nother barrier just with the seasons. Um, you right. know, if you don't have access to a car, it's going right. to be tricky. And yeah. so are you primarily based in greater Boston or what is your, what is your territory? Yeah, we Eastern Massachusetts, um, Cambridge and Somerville, we are very close in those communities with serving their, a lot of their low-income housing sites or uh, the Cambridge and Somerville public schools, but we do extend across communities in Eastern Massachusetts. So Okay. And how is it working with the Cambridge Somerville community? I would think that you, from what I know of them and their level of activism, I think it would be something that they would very much appreciate and support. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Cambridge is really our origin city um, where the city of Cambridge has been really helpful in kind of continuing to support food for free over the years and the ways that we're filling the gap of hunger in their community. And so we have, a, we really have a wide base of city and nonprofit partners and the schools in Cambridge. And then over the last several years, we've extended that to Somerville. So we, I think in those two communities, really, we're seen as a, a, a resource where community partners, um, people who are trying to figure out what can we do to address food insecurity, usually we're part of the solution with that, to get food from a source to a person who needs it. Um, and we're happy to play that role and, and support that essential piece of the puzzle uh, in the food access right. space. You know, I, I've told my nephew, Sam, when he started working for food for free, that for years we, I have been lived here my, my, basically my whole life. But I remember back in the late seventies, early eighties, there was a van right on Nimmin street where you guys were located mm -hmm. and the original house that food for free was started. And there was a van and the bumper sticker on the van said, uh, when I give people food, they call me a saint. When I ask, why is there no food? They call me a communist. <laughs> Yes. And I never yes, forgot that actually. bumper sticker. I don't know what quote it is. It's a famous, or it's an obscure philosopher or clergy person or something. Yeah, that quote uh, was hanging for years in our executive director's office, and now it's migrated over to oh, mine. Good. So, <laughs> so you look at it every day. But it's it's true. It's a great question. In Cambridge and Somerville, we're very well off in terms of not only statewide, but nationally, this area of the country is got so much going for us in terms of resources and, and, and you know, effective mm -hmm. government, et cetera. 
I imagine you start getting out into Western Mass and the less affluent places in the in the state, and then you start looking at New England and rural poverty. I mean, there's just a tremendous need. Is there any, you know, is there any momentum or is there any, you know, plans to expand to other parts of the state or other other states? with food for free? Right now, I mean, we, we're really focused on kind of the greater Boston area. I think absolutely there's certain programs or kind of uh, models that could be extended out to Western Mass and different rural communities like you're talking about that just are a lot more under-resourced. Right. And so we don't have direct plans to right now. I think we are definitely kind of up against so much need just in the Eastern Massachusetts mm-hmm. area. And I think um, obviously there's communities like Chelsea and Revere and um, other other places kind of nearby that have, that can have a, really a great amount of need um, that we're committed to supporting. And then, I mean, in Cambridge and Somerville, it's interesting that there's it's true there's so much community support for what Food for Free does, but there's also such a massive income gap mm-hmm. where like the highest high versus the lowest low. So there's, yeah, there in the, the Cambridge public schools and Somerville public schools, the, the poverty rate is, is surprisingly high considering how affluent the communities are perceived and, and are uh, in, in kind of like a tax level. Right. So we'll do what we can to meet the need right, right. here. But, and hopefully yeah. there are organizations in those areas of the state and the country that are stepping up and filling that gap as well. By the way, are you familiar with the Weekend Backpack Program? And are you part of that solution as well? Yeah, we actually started, a, or Food for Free was part of kind of championing the Cambridge Weekend Backpack Program and the Somerville Weekend right. Backpack Program. So we provided the staffing support and volunteer support to kind of keep those going for a while before the pandemic. Yeah. Started by Alana Mallon, uh, vice mayor, uh, Cambridge city council person. And we were in touch a couple of years ago about possibly doing something with food for free. And it didn't materialize at the time. Although I have done a couple of events where we did the auction, I helped run the auction and those are always fun. Did a little comedy for them. Yes, thank you oh, for that. It was a blast. <laughs> it was so much fun. But I, I want to say that finally this year, we're very, very proud to have Food for Free as one of our nonprofit uh, partners in the upcoming shows, December 29th, 30th, and January 1st at the First Church in Cambridge. And ladies and gentlemen who are watching this interview, if you would like to come to one of our shows and help Food for Free at the same time, when you buy a ticket, a mere $30, ladies and gentlemen, a mere $30, you on the on the little uh, what do you call it required field that says how did you find out about this event? You just scroll down, you check food for free, and food for free gets ten dollars out of that thirty dollars, not out of your pocket, out of ours. And we are thrilled and honored to be able to participate with so many wonderful local nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Among them, of course, is food for free. Then you can also make a donation when you check out. You can just add an additional donation. Again, you just scroll down to additional donations, and if you want to throw a few more dollars to food for free, they would be greatly appreciative of that because you rely largely on donations. Is that correct? Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. We, we need people to donate. Um, this is a time of year where we can really use that support, um, with kind of our annual campaign. So 
please donate, please volunteer. Right. That's yeah. the other thing that people can do. They can volunteer. My wife did it. She loved it. It's hard work. You know, you're yeah. out there and you're helping and you're, but you're feeding people. I mean, is there a more basic need than food? I don't know. It, no, there's not. And it, it's good for the soul. We have a great community of volunteers. Everybody's, you're happier when you leave than when you come in. For she sure. comes so home it's, it's good for floating you. in a cloud. He says, I have been helping the, I have been helping the hungry. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. she's, she's great. And so is Sam and so are you. And it's excellent to meet all you folks working there. Everybody I've, I've been working with, uh, Eliza and everybody at the organization is just yeah. really wonderful and very motivated. So it's, it's great. It's a great feeling and it's perfect for the holidays. Santa Claus would be proud. Yeah. Santa Claus himself would be proud of food for free. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you can find out more at foodforfree.org, foodforfree.org, and all of this information is in the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause, Stephanie Tyler Smith. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Jimmy. It was great. Thank you.